You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and solid TV and movie recommendations for whatever ails you. Please note, we are not real therapists and we are not doctors. We are not astrologists. We are not psychics. But we are movie critics. Yes, we are movie critics and we do our best to help you. We really do. Uh, so, Rafer, shall we get to this week's letters? We have kind of a serious one as our first letter here today. Yes. I'll read this one. It's from Hannah. Hannah says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I am in desperate need to mourn the end of my nearly 11-year-long friendship with my, quote, soul sister. This woman, my best friend, has grown and changed dramatically in the last year, which I am so proud of and thankful for. But with this change has come hurtful disruptions in our friendship. The last year has been heart-wrenching as our friendship has transitioned from daily calls and texts to emotionally important messages left unread or unanswered for weeks at a time. After numerous conversations expressing my hurt, I called to say our friendship needed a break. We haven't spoken since, going on three months. I truly feel that this loss of my friend, my rock, my soul sister, is the worst heartbreak and breakup I have experienced. Rafer and Kristen, can you please recommend a movie about soulmates, friends, romantic, humans and their pets, or otherwise, who fall apart and come back together? I'm hopeful that with time and growth we can rekindle our friendship, but for now I need to celebrate and mourn what our friendship was, heal from the broken trust, then open my heart back to my soul sister when the time is right. Movies that will make me emotional are encouraged. I find a lot of release from a full-body cry. Thank you both for the work you do. Oh, Kristen? gosh. Hannah, I feel for you. I have had to end a couple of friendships. Uh, one that I, I was friends with one gal. Uh, I, I'd known her since I was 10. I considered her my best friend from age like 12 to 25. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, it was very painful breaking up with her. But, you know, 
She did things like sleep with one of my boyfriends and oh. borrowed money and didn't pay it back. She did lots and lots of other things. And then there was another friend I had to part ways with because I realized after more than 10 years of friendship, I realized she only liked me when things were bad and not when things were good. And uh, yes. that's not a good dynamic for a friendship. It is not at all. We need our friends to cheer for us when we're happy, not just be excited when we're sad, you know? Anywho, Hannah, I don't know all the ins and outs of what happened with your soul sister. My point is just, I understand it hurts to break up with a friend. There are lots of reasons that we have to go on breaks with friends. And sometimes those breaks are brief. Sometimes they last forever. And I know it hurts a lot. My longest relationships uh, have been with friends. Sure. And I've only been with my husband for six years. So that just tells you how long. <laughs> like Friendships can be the longest relationships we ever have in our lives. And it is painful. And I don't know if our culture does spend enough time talking about how much it hurts to have a friendship end. What about you, Rafer? Have you had major friendships come to an end? Uh, sure. Uh, you know, I'll just add quickly, because uh, I think you said it well. But, you know, listen, I have written people off. I have been written off. Yeah, me too. So um, I've seen both sides, as Joni Mitchell might say. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> I do too. So Kristen, what do you say? Do you have a prescription for Hannah? Yes. And I apologize in advance to everyone listening because I think I might be going for the easy answer here. It's probably the most obvious and easy answer. It, it also is a schlock fest. It is a 1988 classic movie called Beaches by Gary Marshall. Yes. <sighs> <laughs> you are the wind beneath my wings. You know the song. Yes. You've probably seen clips of the movie if you have not seen the movie. It is the story of Cece Bloom, a wild, redheaded entertainer played by Bette Midler, who befriends the refined, classy Hillary Whitney, played by Barbara Hershey. The two come from completely different worlds, but hit it off instantly when they're kids. And then over the next 30 plus years, they are everything from roommates to best friends to enemies. And along the way, we see how distance, jealousy, and different paths can tear friendships apart. But we also see how friendships in time can restart in new and different ways. Here's a clip. Dear Cece, I've decided to study law, and I'm convinced I'll have some effect on the world rather than end up in a mindless women's club like my Aunt Vesta. I ended up choosing Stanford because four generations of Whitney's went there, all men, of course. But mainly, I have to confess, because it's co-ed. Dear Wasp Queen, Leona gave me a great present for my 21st birthday. She moved to Miami. But um bump I'm on my own now, and I've got a flat, a can of mace, and a subscription to Variety. I'm all set. P.S. How's college life? Aren't you done yet? Dear Cece, I went on my first protest march, and my father called me a radical. He doesn't understand. The whole world's falling apart while he's playing golf. Sorry my trip east didn't work out, but Dad just wasn't feeling well enough. Will I ever see you again? Call or write soon, will you? Love, Hillary. I was just about to commit suicide by taking an overdose of vitamin A when your letter arrived telling me I'm a genius and don't lose heart. I decided to live even though I never get any work. I've got no agent, and I'm deeply lonely during this festive season. Kristen, I'm just going to say it. I've never seen Beaches. What? Rafer. Never. Rafer. It's a movie 
It's one of those movies that I think I know almost everything there is to know about it, and yet I have never seen it. Do you know those movies? Yes. Hold on. Did you not see it because when this movie came out, you were in high school and you were too cool to see this movie? Because Kristen, high school boys were not going to see Beaches, were they? What year was this again? 1988. I was on acid. Oh, God. So I'll just tell you that's, that's why, that is why I didn't go see this movie. <laughs> That's why. Oh my gosh. Later, now that I'm adult and, and, I've, and I'm calmed down, I would like to see this movie sometime. Maybe I'll get my wife to see it with me. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you and Anne would love it. Uh, you would laugh. You would probably see all the ways that it's dated. But you would also, sure. you know, you would probably also appreciate Bette Midler's fantastic performances. I love Bette Midler. Yeah, Bette Midler is, she's a national treasure. She's really special. So, sure. um, yeah, Rayford, please see this movie. And also... Hannah, please see this movie. Hannah, it does give you something that you want, which is showing the complication of soulmates. And these two really are soulmates. You'll see that in the movie. And sometimes with soulmates, you know, things are great. Things are not great. They're all the different experiences of what it is to be human because soulmates go through ups and downs. Sometimes soulmates don't talk for years. Sometimes soulmates see the ugliest things in us and we see the ugliest things in them. And then we still love each other sometimes, right? Isn't that what a soulmate is? I totally agree, Dr. Meinzer. Well, I'm glad you agree, even though you haven't seen it, Rafer. Um, But I'm dying to know what your pick is for Hannah. All right. So, Hannah, I'm going to recommend a show, actually. Uh, Maybe you've seen it. I don't know. It's Normal People. Uh, So this is a Hulu series. It's got a lot of buzz. Uh, The book's by Sally Rooney. The story is a little bit difficult to describe in a way that might sound compelling, but bear with me. It's just the relationship between these two people, uh, Marianne and Connell. Uh, They're classmates at a small school in uh, kind of small town Ireland, but they move in different social circles. Or, well, she doesn't actually have a social circle. He's he's a popular (laughs) kid, and she pretty much has no friends whatsoever. There's a bit of a class element at work, too. Um, uh, She's rich, and he's not. Uh, In fact, his mom cleans her house. But these two are drawn to each other for some reason, and they begin a romantic relationship without anyone knowing. And here are the two actors, Daisy Edgar-Jones as Marianne and Paul Mescal as Connell. It'd be awkward if something happened with us. No one would have to know. I didn't know your mom worked in the Sheridan's house. What's Marianne like in her natural habitat? I don't know. I don't see much of her. We hook up. Secretly. <laughs> like some kind of game. That's actually really hard. People going around town saying that knacker is dating my sister. It's not what I want anymore. I feel nothing for you. Nothing. Why are you saying this? Her new boyfriend is more in line with her social class. Are you dating anyone problematic at the moment? I haven't had a midnight call from you in a while. It's so corrupt. And sexy. What'd you say your feelings are involved? Obviously. Who is it obvious to? Now, Rafer, I loved this book. I loved this book. 
But I'm just going to warn Hannah of something if she's not familiar with the book or the TV series, which is Marianne is wonderful and Connell is stupid. (laughs) Now, Kristen, this is... (laughs) Connell doesn't deserve her friendship. This is exactly my point about the show. I think the show asks a very uh, a, a very important question, which is, should these two people be together? You know, Marianne is a really complicated character. She might be too complicated for a guy like Connell. And, you know, but there's, you also, you also have to ask, what is it that she sees in him? Is, is, is he even really a very good person necessarily? No, um, right? he's oh, not. See, <laughs> you see, and, and I'm not going to, I don't want to give anything away because I had a certain take on this show and a friend of mine that I was talking to, the guy who recommended the book to me, he was sort of stunned that I came away thinking a certain thing about these two characters. He kind of, and it wasn't kind of like, oh, I disagree. He just, he felt more like, what are you talking about? He just didn't get it. And the reason I'm recommending this to Hannah is because I think, Hannah, you are at kind of a, um, a, a an important point in your life. I, I think you probably did a very brave thing and a very good thing by drawing a line in the sand with this relationship where you weren't getting um, what you wanted out of it. And now I think you're going to have to examine whether or not you want it again. Is this relationship important to you? Do you want it to continue? Um, There's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. And maybe, possibly, normal people might help you figure it out. So that's my recommendation. Well, I have to say, Rafer, I like your reasoning here. That that's a good reason for watching normal people okay. for Hannah. So okay. um <laughs> Hannah, I, I I'll be curious to hear what you think about it. Feel free to write us back and let us know. Yeah. Please, please. Again, those recommendations are Normal People on Hulu from Rafer, that's the miniseries, and from me, Beaches from nineteen eighty eight. All right. We're going to take a quick break, but before we do, a reminder, we love it when you rate and review us in Apple Podcasts. Just take a moment, give us a five-star review, tell us we're good-looking and smart, and tell your friends all about the show. (laughs) Stay with us. When we're back, we have someone who might be enjoying social distancing a little too much. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. (gasps) Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or call the police. Or call the police like she should (laughs) have, exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Hey, Matt, did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope, never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? 
Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra theme content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's Triviality. We're back with our second letter of the week. Kristen, do you want to read this one? Yes, this is from Emily. Emily says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, first, it's so nice to hear you podcasting together again. I loved hey. movie dates so much back in the day. Here's my movie therapy issue. I've always been a people person with loads of friends and a busy social life. However, since socially isolating for months, I'm finding that I have no interest in ever socializing again. I'm happy being by myself, reading, watching movies, and crafting and gardening. I'm concerned that I won't be able to re-enter society when the pandemic ends. Is there something I can watch that will whet my appetite for being with people? That's an interesting that's an interesting problem. A very interesting problem. And I can I can sort of relate to that. I don't know about you, Kristen, but I Emily, I'll just tell you that uh, I've been stuck uh, at home without my family for uh, weeks at a time. And that's not happening now. They're back, but they're going to be gone again for several weeks at a time. Depending on how long this COVID thing goes, they may decamp out of Brooklyn without me for <gasps> um, months. Yes, Whoa. I'm serious. Whoa. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen here. You know, for me, uh, you know, I'm kind of a typical guy, I suppose, typical husband. I'm always kind of, you know, trying to get some me time. And now I'll just tell you. I got more me time than I know what to do with. I'm sick of me. Uh, but but I kind of I kind of know what you mean. You know, you, you sort of enjoy the isolation in a way. So I don't know. I, I kind of get it. Kristen, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I would say some of this, Emily, might just be inertia that the body that um, is at rest tends to stay at rest. The body in motion tends to stay in motion. And I know that happens with me when my life is going at a certain pace. Um, I just go, 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 go. And I can say more recently in the last, you know, not initially during social distancing, but more recently in the last few weeks, yeah, I do go at a slower pace. I don't feel as desperate to sure. do 35 things a week with all my friends. In the beginning, I definitely missed that. But now I'm like, mm, maybe it's okay if I don't leave the house for three days in a row. I get it. I get it. And um, again, I do think some of it is inertia and that maybe once we're allowed to socialize again with other people, maybe you'll find things changing. But until then, Reefer, what shall we prescribe for Emily to watch? Well, I have kind of an obscure pick for Emily. Uh, it's a movie called The Wall. Pink Floyd. Not the not the Pink Floyd version. Not the <laughs> one with uh, with Bob Geldof. Um, <laughs> this is this is from much more recent. This is from 2012, and it's a, it's an obscure little movie from Austria. It's about a woman who goes off into the Alps for a vacation, a little rest and relaxation. She's got these two friends, Hugo and Louise. They've got a, a cabin up there. Um, she stays behind one night while the two of them decide to go walk to a pub. It's like down the mountain, a little ways along a path. It's like a, like a good long walk. They leave. Uh, but when the woman wakes up in the morning, her friends have not come back. 
So she walks down the path to go find them and make sure that they're okay. And as she's walking, she just smashes her face right into a giant invisible wall. It's oh. like a massive pane of glass or like a force field or something. And it's it's huge. It's like endless. You, and, it, and as she discovers, you can't destroy it even if you drive a car into it. And after a while, this woman, who is only ever called the woman in the movie, she has no name, she realizes that she's trapped. That's it. End of story. She is completely alone. And I won't play a clip here because the movie is in German. Um, but <laughs> I liked this movie. It didn't get a lot of traction on the art house circuit. It seemed to me like the kind of movie that would do well. You know, it's got this kind of existential crazy premise and it's, you know, it's foreign language film. But it didn't really take off. But it's a really interesting movie, I think, because it really makes you wonder what you would do if the rest of the world was just simply beyond your reach. Like, what if what if you really and truly could not go back to the life you knew? And the little detail that I always got hung up on this uh, with this movie that I found really chilling was, think about the last time that you interacted with somebody, and what if that was it? What if that was your last human interaction ever? And that was just the end of it. So this is a really interesting movie. I will tell you, it's not an upper although I would not necessarily call it a totally bleak, sort of downer, depressing movie, but it might make you kind of think about, you know, isolation and the value of being around other people. So that's The Wall. And the other thing I want to say is, weirdly enough, there was another movie that came out in 2012, also called The Wall. Make sure you're getting the right one. This is called Die Wand, W-A-N-D. That means The Wall in German. Just make sure you're getting the right one from 2012. Ooh, that sounds very intriguing and possibly upsetting, Rafer. <laughs> it is a little bit of both, I will say. It's a little bit of both. Yes. And Kristen, <laughs> what about you? Well, I am going to prescribe something completely different, and I think it is uplifting. It's a movie from 1971 by Hal Ashby called Harold and Maud. Oh. Now, Rafer, I know you know Harold and Maud. I'm sure a lot of our listeners know Harold and Maud. It's the story of a young man named Harold, played by Bud Court, who is perfectly happy with his two hobbies, which are quietly sitting in the backs of churches while funerals take place and faking his own death. These are his two hobbies. He doesn't see the point of embracing life. He doesn't see the point of building human connections. He has no interest in engaging with the larger world. He's perfectly fine with just his two morbid obsessions. But then, by chance, he strikes up a friendship with a 79-year-old woman named Maud, played by Ruth Gordon, who is at the same funeral as him. And together, they have great adventures and even some romance and along the way, he comes to see that living life to its fullest is the most precious gift of all. Here's a clip. What is your name? Harold. Harold Chasen. Oh, how do you do? I'm Dame Marjorie Chardin, but you may call me Maud. How do you do? Nice to meet you. Well, thank you. I think we're going to be great friends, don't you? Can I give you a lift, Harold? No, thank you. I have my own car. Well, I must be off. We shall have to meet again. Ah, uh, Kelly, you don't. Uh, no. Uh, no. I thought not. <laughs> that woman, she took my car. Well, Christian, I don't know if you know this about me, but um, Harold Maude is one of my favorite films, and I would venture to guess I have seen it 
possibly 50 or 60 times. I oh have, my gosh! I spent. I, I don't know how I didn't know this about you, Rafer. Yeah, wow. that's interesting. I it 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 was it was my Rocky Horror. I probably spent a good chunk of my teenage years repeatedly watching Harold and Maude. I could I could almost quote that movie to you, second by second, uh, from start to finish. It's one of my favorite films ever. Uh, Ruth Ugh. Gordon is great. Bud Court is um, fantastic. It's just such a unique, weird. Uh, great movie. Um, you know, a lot of people have said that uh, Ruth Gordon is a little bit of a manic pixie dream girl in her way. You know, she <laughs> does sort of exist just sort of that Harold can kind of find his find his purpose and find happiness. Um, but I also just feel like it's just it's just a marvelous movie. Uh, you can really see a lot of Wes Anderson in that movie. Hal Ashby is mm-hmm. one of Wes Anderson's favorites. Um, yeah, I just I I can't say enough good things about it. The Cat Stevens soundtrack is just marvelous. Oh, everything yes. everything about it is just great. Oh, well, Rafer, I'm so glad you agree with my prescription. Yes, how could I not? I also just think that this is a fantastic movie. Not just by the way, not just for our letter writer Emily, but for everybody else listening. If you haven't already, please see Harold and Maude. It is such a Valentine to life. It is a Valentine to embracing why we're here. Is there a meaning to things? There may or may not be, but if there is a meaning, it is to connect with others and to enjoy this one life we have. And it really is a special reminder of that. So again, for me, that's Harold and Maude from 1971. And from Rafer, The Wall, the German version from 2012, (laughs) not the other 2012 movie called The Wall. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Uh, Well, we're going to take another quick break. But before we do, are you in a predicament where you could use some questionable advice and a good movie or TV recommendation? Write to us at raferandchristian at gmail.com. You don't have to use your real name. We say this repeatedly. You don't have to use your real name. No. And I have a feeling some of the people writing in, I don't think that's your real name. Are there really this many Emilys in the world? There are a lot of Emilys. You can also fill out the contact form at RaferandKristen.com or tweet us at Rafer Guzman and at Kristen Meinzer. And when we're back, we will have Dan Pashman of the Sporkful Podcast asking, what should I watch next? You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. We are back, and for this week's What Should I Watch Next segment, we have a very special guest joining us today, the one and only Dan Pashman, host of the Sporkful podcast, where the motto is, it's not for foodies, it's for eaters. It is such a great show, and Dan, we're so excited to have you here with us today. Hey, Kristen and Raver, great to be with you. Kristen Meinzer, former Sporkful producer. (laughs) Yes. Let us not forget. Yes, yes, yes. I admit it. You're a busy guy, but I got you because I know you. <laughs> well, no, I'm happy to be on. All right, Dan, before we get to your question, 
Tell us what you've been up to on the Sporkful. Um, so you know, like Kristen said, we, we kind of have two mottos. One is it's not for foodies, it's for eaters. And the other is that we obsess about food to learn more about people. So the Sporkful is really not about cooking or recipes or restaurants or chefs. It's not about healthy eating. It's really about learning about people by talking about food. So we do economics, science, culture, race, identity, pretty much any subject you can get to through food. Um, and as um, you know, we've we've been talking about the intersection of race and identity and food for a number of years on the Sporkful, um, but obviously now um, the country at large is talking about it, so that's been a big area of focus. We did a special episode about Bon Appetit a few weeks ago. Yes. Um, they had a big sort of reckoning yes. there, and that's looking like it's going to be our most downloaded episode ever. Um, we did an episode right before that called When White People Say Plantation uh-huh. that is sort of about the the use of the word plantation and food branding. Um, what are white people trying to evoke when they use that word? And that was sort of an, uh, an exploration of that. Um, it originally came out last fall, but we recently republished it because it felt very relevant. Uh-huh. And then some, week, and some weeks we just do fun – You know, we, have, we do take weeks that are not – quite so serious we did one with a flavor chemist where she walked me through these different experiments like how do you train your palate to smell certain things and that one's just sort of fun sciencey nerdy silly so cool we have fun too <laughs> dan you have a what should i watch next question you need help with um let's hear it so i'm really i'm coming to you guys at, at the perfect moment in my watching journey because i sort of like i i you know, I, I've mostly been watching prestige TV shows, and I said to myself, you know, a few weeks back, I should be watching movies. So I said, what should I watch? I start scrolling, and I ended up watching Inception. Yes. Mm. Which I had seen once before years ago, and it was just, I really loved it. Um, I just, I, I love the world, uh, the intensity of it, the suspense. It's a, it's a very thrilling movie. It's off kilter in its brilliant way. It's like a puzzle, too. Yes. Yeah. There's some parts of it that I think I still don't fully understand, but I kind of like that. I mean, like, why do you guys think that movie is so good? It's just such a great, um, I mean, you know, it took him just years upon years to write that script. Uh, It's so multi-layered and complicated. And I mean, the sort of physics, which they're sort of, they're kind of pretend physics, but they work. They work within that world and they make sense within that world. And that's a really hard thing to do. And I just, I love that about the movie. And And I, of course, I love the visuals. I think it looks fantastic, but... I really think it's sort of the screenplay, almost anything more more than anything that I really fell in love with. Kristen, I don't know if you're a big Inception fan. I remember you liked it better than me, Rafer, because there were certain yeah. points when I was watching the movie the first time I thought, I feel like you're just trying to trick me. Yeah. I feel like you're not telling me a story. You're just trying to play a trick on me. Um, all that being said, I still very much admire the movie. I think it's beautiful. And for those who aren't familiar with it, it is diving into what happens when we're dreaming and what happens when certain people have the power to infiltrate our dreams. And it has so many great explainers for why certain things happen when we're asleep. Like what's happening when we jerk awake suddenly, when we start falling right. asleep, <laughs> things like that, that are just so enjoyable right. to think about. Right. But I, I think you, you guys hit it on the head. Part of what I love about it is that it's like, it, it's is rooted in something that feels real. So it, it, it's not totally out there. It's just real enough that you're like, maybe this is happening in the world all around me all the time, and I just don't know about it because I haven't been incepted yet as far <laughs> as I know. <laughs> so that got me on this kick, like, yes, uh, I'm going to watch movies. I want movies that are sort of intense and thrilling and suspenseful that will be an escape and also make me think. I'm scrolling, 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 and I started watching Mystic River, the Clint Eastwood movie with um, Sean Penn yes. and um, is it Kevin Bacon? Laura Linney. Uh, right, Laura yeah. Linney is so good in that, and also um, Tim Robbins. And it's very 
dark, also suspenseful, a little slower, but the the ending is like awfully bleak. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, it's just so bleak. And I'm like, the last thing I need right now is anything that's going to make me feel more bleak. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that felt like a wrong turn in my in my movie watching journey. I see. So I, I come to you now, Rafer and Kristen, uh, in need of movie therapy. Um, you know, w- you know, that that's the last two movies I've watched. That's how they made me feel. What should I watch next? So, Dr. Rafer, what are you going to prescribe for Dan Pashman here? Dan, who surprised us by not having a food movie question. I was expecting a food movie question, by the way. I know. I was, th- I, I was too. Yeah, no, no. I, I actually I have a wide range of interests. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Also, Christopher Nolan, not really a food-based kind of director. He's not, not usually. Christopher Nolan's... He's not really like a pleasure-based director, really, in a lot no. of ways when you think about it. He's, 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 he's very brainy. Anyway, <laughs> um, all right. So, Dan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little bit of a gamble here, and I'm hoping that you haven't seen this movie. But I was thinking about it because you were talking about this idea of creating a world, something that's very intelligent, something that's very rich. Um, maybe something that's a little dark, but not too terribly dark. You don't want something that's just sort of like gut-wrenchingly awful, which I totally understand. I'm going to recommend a movie. I hope you haven't already seen it. From 1958, Orson Welles' Touch of Evil. Do you know it? I do not. I mean, I've heard of Orson Welles. Of course. But I have definitely not seen it. Okay. Uh, I'm going to recommend this to you because this is... I'm I'm guessing if you were to go for Inception and you were to go for Mystic River, you must have a little bit of a taste for sort of film noir and that that kind of genre. This is, I would say, uh, kind of the last great masterpiece of the film noir genre, maybe the last word in film noir, I would say. It's written and directed by Wells. Um, He also stars in it. Uh, He plays a guy named Hank Quinlan. He's an American cop in this kind of seedy U.S. border town. Uh, On the other side is a Mexican cop played by, of all people, Charlton Heston uh, in what looks like a slight spray tan uh, and a mustache, of course. Um, the noir itself, the sort of the plot of this thing, you know, like most film noirs is very difficult to boil down, but basically Hank Quinlan is a corrupt cop. He's trying to frame an innocent guy for murder. Uh, Mike Vargas, the Heston character knows this is not the case and he's going to try to prove it. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, drugs, there's rape, there's murder, there's corruption. Um, I'll play a brief clip. Uh, this is, uh, Orson Welles. He's visiting his favorite madam, uh, in his favorite brothel, and she's played by, uh, none other than Marlena Dietrich. Here she is. What's my fortune? You've been reading the cards, haven't you? I've been doing the accounts. Come on, read my future for me. You haven't got any. Hmm? What do you mean? Your future is all used up. Why don't you go home? I'm curious, Rafer, because I feel like film noir is a genre that I only have a vague understanding of exactly what that means. Can you just like, I mean, now I'm just curious as a movie person, like, wh- what does that mean to you? Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, noir is French for dark, basically, you know, uh, uh, and, um, it's basically, they are, they tend to be detective stories. They tend to be black and white, uh, in the, in the original, you know, forties, forties and fifties, um, little cynical, kind of hard bitten, a little pulpy, um, you know, things like, um, 
The Maltese Falcon, of course, is kind of the classic example. Great movie called Out of the Past. I don't know if you ever saw that. Double Indemnity. Double Indemnity, a, a masterpiece. Um, of course, um, uh, Sunset Boulevard, another famous one that you may have seen. Um, you know, uh, Mickey Spillane's Mike Hammer, you know, Sam Spade, Dashiell Hammett, you know, these kind of, uh, you know, fedoras and suits, guns, uh, femme fatales. Smart ladies and you might get double crossed. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. By people who by people who use the phrase double crossed. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, well, and so this is, you know, this is uh, 1958 is kind of the end of film noir. And, and I, I, I recommend this one because it was sort of it was kind of the ultimate, sort of the ultra noir. There was sort of no place else for this to go. And I, I think what one reason I recommend it is because you, you mentioned this idea of being taken into a world. And um, this movie really does it. It's, you know, everything about this movie really is um, really heightened. The whole movie just kind of pops out of the screen at you. Like the camera work is more incredible than any Coen Brothers movie. The cinematography is beautiful. All the performances are way up here. You know, the sets look fantastic. Um, and there's this famous, famous uh, opening scene. It's a three-minute opening tracking shot, one continuous take, uh, where a guy has got an egg timer. He sets it. It's attached to some dynamite. He puts it in the trunk of a car. Two people unknowingly. All right, don't tell me what's going to happen. Don't tell me what's going to happen. It sounds great, though. But right. it's a great. You sold it me. Sets you sold the tone. me. It sets the tone for the whole okay. movie, and I think you'll. I All think right. you'll like it. Kristen, have you seen okay, it? Do you great. like it? Are you a fan? Oh my gosh! It is that opening scene. I mean, Dan, just you will not be able to stop watching the movie if you just watch the first three minutes. You will not get up again. That's awesome. And so, Kristen, what about you? All right, so. My first instinct, I have to say, was to recommend Interstellar, which is another Christopher Nolan movie. But you know what? I'm not going to do that. I feel like that's cheating to just choose another Christopher Nolan movie. So instead, I'm choosing a movie called Arrival. It's a 2016 sci-fi film by, I, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing his name wrong, Denis Villeneuve. Is that the right pronunciation, Rafer? Denis, Denis Villeneuve, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is based on a short story by Ted Chang um, that was called The Story of Your Life. And in the movie, Amy Adams plays a linguist enlisted by the U.S. Army to discover how to communicate with extraterrestrials who have arrived on Earth. And what is fantastic about this, um, in addition to a lot of other things, is that there are those puzzles from Inception where it's like, what's actually happening? How do you decode language? Right. What if the language doesn't actually involve an alphabet the way we imagine alphabets working? Um, and also the creatures, what are they saying when they're communicating and how does time and space get bent when they talk to us? By the way, the aliens are octopusy shaped, which makes yeah. them super cute. They look like octopuses. <laughs> um, here's a clip. Okay, this is where you want to get to, right? That is the question. Okay. So, first, we need to make sure that they understand what a question is. Okay? The nature of a request for information along with the response. Then, we need to clarify the difference between a specific you and a collective you. Because we don't want to know why Joe Alien is here. We want to know why they all landed. And purpose requires an understanding of intent. We need to find out, do they make conscious choices or is their motivation so instinctive that they don't understand a why question at all? And, and biggest of all, we need to have enough vocabulary with them that we understand their answer. 
Forget it. Stick to your list. Just don't add anything to it. I have to also mention that in addition to Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner and Forrest Whitaker star in this movie. It is a fantastic cast. It is intense. It is dark. But Dan, the reason I'm recommending this, and I mean this not to be a spoiler, but just to reassure you, it is not bleak at the end. It is not bleak at all, even though um, there are some questions and there's some mystery and not everything is necessarily perfect, but it's not bleak. I'll tell you the truth, Christian. I have seen it. Uh-huh. But, oh, no! no but but that, that's not a bad thing to me because um, I saw it several years ago. At, at my advanced age, I don't remember a lot of the details of things that I watch anyway. And so um, – and, and, and one of my recollections is that I felt like – you know, something that I call sort of like um, goodwill hunting syndrome, which is when like the, the a sudden something seems to click in a movie and all of a sudden everything changes in a way that like I didn't really quite see coming. And, I, and it doesn't it feels unearned. Hmm. Um, and I felt like all of a sudden she just understood the language. But I, but I think that it's highly probable that I just missed some details. And I think that if I were to rewatch it, I would gain a deeper appreciation for the way that her understanding of the language and deciphering unfolded. And I would pick up on details that I didn't pick up on the first time. Hmm. And I loved watching Inception a second time. And so why wouldn't I love watching Arrival a second time? Yeah, I, I had a few problems with the story as well. But um, the one thing that I think uh, kind of really just pulled me through it is it's such a um, stunningly visual movie. I mean, everything about it looks so incredible and it really does pull you into that world into this in this chamber you know with this glass pane and these aliens that are you know making these patterns and she's trying to figure it out it's really um it's really riveting visually um and all, all of Villeneuve's stuff is um uh, is is really amazing looking and it had such a great uh mood such a great atmosphere to it that i was kind of willing to just sort of sink into it and to kind of let it go with the ride i guess that's i think that's a great recommendation i'm gonna rewatch that oh good good i'm so glad and um, again, for listeners out there, Rafer's recommendation for Dan is Touch of Evil from 1958. Again, mine is Arrival from more recently from 2016. Dan, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your being here with us today. My pleasure. Thank you guys so much. 